Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to episode 403 of the Gridiron Blitz right here. Oscar Lopez in the house. We're going to be talking NFL this week, week 14. We're also going to dive into the international news and notes uh, from the uh, finals in Liga Elite Monterey, as well as trying to recap CIFF Italy week three, uh, week one in Spain of the 7-on-7 Femenina. We're also going to dive into Gridiron, uh, Gridiron West week nine and then everything that's happening at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. So it's going to be a great show today. Uh, recap week 14, pretty exciting for the NFL. We'll dive into college football. The Hall of Famer isn't here this week, Holly, Holly Custis. So we'll dive into college football uh, next week as we start to, to get into the Bowls series, uh, December 15th through January 2nd. That's when we get to the college football swing of things. So we'll get back into it next uh, on 404 kind of diving into the college football in terms of who's winning, who's losing, and all that. So it's going to be pretty exciting to kind of look at, look into that and dive in. So uh, looking forward to that as well with Holly Custis bringing it down for us as well. Uh, tonight we have two guests on, uh, obviously uh, former, um, you know, longtime pioneer, cha- team USA champion, um, you know, everywhere, IWF, IWFA, um, IWFL, uh, she's been in WFA, um, no stranger, obviously, in the realm of women's tackle football, longtime pioneer. Uh, Nenji Martin will be with us today, the quarterback of the San Diego Rebellion, the WNFC runner-up in, in the Nine Cup. And we're also going to have head coach Brandon Archie uh, as well, kind of give us a take on what happened this year uh, all the way down to the Nine Cup final. Also, you know, kind of anticipation for what's going to come up here in 2022 and what the Rebellion has in store for a return to the championship. The landscape of the WNFC, we have no idea what it's going to look like right now. There are some uh, rumors, news. I uh, haven't got anything official from the leadership at this point. There is uh, changes that obviously are going to be made with certain teams, just like in year one uh, with the North Florida Pumas leaving uh, this past year, the Nebraska uh, Nighthawks somewhat no longer in the mix. Uh, rumors has it that Las Cruces has shut down. We don't know if they'll be re- resurfaced. Uh, the Bobcats are gone. Now the uh, Los Angeles Legends. So the WNFC has been shifted for 2022. So really uh, kind of anticipating what the whole scope of the 20 teams and who's being vetted to join the WNFC and who's going to be in terms of the uh, you know the whole uh, season in terms of the, what the schedule is going to look like in, in other words uh, for the WNFC and who's going to be the power the powerhouses again we have the the top five teams which we already know who they are now it's going to be really interesting to see who the middle pack will be uh, Denver as uh, Terry Lister has mentioned here before Denver is one of those teams that on the outside looking in just edging on that top five so it's going to be very interesting to see that San Diego. At the, at the beginning of the, of the season, nobody thought that the Rebellion would be here in the final. They did a fantastic job in the playoffs. Uh, and so, like I said, we're, we're going to dive into Nenji Martin and head coach 
Brandon Archie on what the rebellion will need to do in 2022 to return to the to the finals and maybe uh, hoist the nine cup uh, at this point. So we're also going to dive into her thoughts on the USA football women's squad, which is the 2022 IFAB women's world championships will, will happen uh, this 2022 in Vanta, Finland. And that's going to be the team USA defending their, uh, their title once again. And now the news, as we talked about last week with Mark Simone, uh, head coach Callie Branson uh, will be leading the charge here for the USA team squad. So kind of uh, interesting to see what uh, Ninji's take will be here on the leadership of uh, Callie Branson and her staff and obviously defending the title because that's what, that's what it's all about is, and getting to hoist another gold medal. Uh, there's a lot of teams you know, looking and seeking for that, Canada being one of the stronger teams. Uh, seeking for that team Mexico, talking to uh, coach, uh, coach Giovanni, they're ready and, ro- and ready to go. They've uh, they're doing combines in the middle of December here. They're going to have a, a huge combine coming up here for the month of December and into j- early January, as they know that they got to get a roster together by March, and they got to start practicing together as a roster because if, if they want to compete at that international level against uh, Sweden, Finland, and all the other teams then it's going to be very vital for all these uh, teams that have already announced a participation into the IFAB World Championships that everybody has to be at camp no later than probably April to get some sort of consistency, get the game plan, the playbook, uh, get an idea of what it's going to look like. So it's going to be interesting to see what all the teams in terms of the, the international championship competition in 2022 uh, at the IFAB World Championships – uh, IFAB leadership has changed. Uh, Richard McLean has obviously stepped down and has moved on, uh, and we have a brand-new uh, leader out there, Pierre Trushet. So we're going to try to see if we can get Mr. Pierre on. Otherwise, uh, we're going to try to see if we can get some information in terms of who can get in to give us an idea of what it's going to look like for uh, on the women's side in terms of flag and in terms of uh, tackle. But overall, changes have, are being made at, at IFAB, so really uh, cool to see that the championship's back on. It's in Vanta, Finland, originally there when they started in, I believe, in 2010. So uh, interesting year, 2022, for women's tackle football and for us to cover it and bring you the excitement. So don't forget, you guys can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Granada and Breathing. That is the place to be. It is the best network on the planet covering women's American football, bar none. Uh, we have awesome network, folks. We have a lot of people that love our sport and they contribute to our page every week. So don't, don't forget to go there, take, it, take a look at it, and then uh, subscribe as well. Um, if you like the page, go ahead and like the page so you can get notifications on what we're at. The more that happens, the more you share, obviously the more reach, the more awareness for the sport, and obviously what we cover. So it's really interesting right there. So head out. You get NFL content, college football. You're also going to get everything that's been in the sport as irrelevant. So Check it out, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well, at Grid Aaron Beauty on Twitter for the latest updates on women's American football and NFL news. Keep it up there. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, primarily is awesome. So thank you, everybody, who has subscribed to it. Over 400 episodes now of the Apple Podcast. You can listen to it on your time. And uh, take a look at You can listen to Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Nate Ward, myself, Mark Simone, Terry Lister, and all our former co-hosts as well. So check it out. 
uh, subscribe our app on our Apple podcast and download over 400 episodes right there as well. Uh, we invite you over to Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight's our sponsor. So if you guys don't know what Monkey Knife Fight's all about, especially right now with the NFL season, I'm like you. I love football and being in the, in the action, whether it's for a $5 game or a $100 game, more or less is the platform that Monkey Knife Fight has. It makes it extremely easy to pick the players that you like to perform in a, any given game. Laid out cleanly, you get to decide if a player will compile more or less in the following categories. So it would be fantasy points, rushing yards, receiving yards, passing yards, or receptions. So if you love the NFL, it's right there. It's an easy platform. When you choose a player to have either or more or less in a given category, all you have to do is worry about the – you don't need to worry about game totals, playing against other fantasy sharks like you do on all the other sites, shifting game lines, or head-to-head matchups with another player. Pick your contest with the players you like and lock in a more or less for each proposed stat line and you feel confident, let the good times and the cash roll in. So more or less is straightforward. Pick the players that you feel have the best chance to outperform or underperform the proposed stat line in their game and they are playing. So that's pretty easy to do. So more or less is a really cool contest. So we're going to go ahead and uh, give you a code where you can do a $5 game play up to a $100 match at Monkey Knife Fight by using the code NJF. With the code NJF, it helps us out a lot in terms of what we're doing and what uh, you know, helps us to, for the reach of the podcast as well. So it's uh, interesting to see. And if you haven't played it, it's a pretty cool time to play it, especially with the playoffs coming up here, week 14 already, week 15 in the, in the books. Um, if you play Monday night, you can also play that as well. So Thursday night, Sunday night, really interesting. You can go right there to Monkey Knife Fight, it's pretty simple. Like I said, not nothing uh, critical. It's just more or less pick your players and you're good to go. So check it out. Use the code NJF to get started today. All right. So a lot of things uh, before we bring in uh, Nenji Martin here and Coach Brandon Archie here in a couple of minutes here, let's dive into this huge Week 14. Uh, talk, we'll talk about it in the second hour after Mark Simone's uh, international news and notes. Should have McKenzie here in the last half hour, and we'll dive in more clearly. But you know what? Still no playoff berths are clinched in the league-wide, which is kind of strange at this point. Uh, the one that could have been clinched was the Arizona Cardinals. Their 10-2 and record remains the obviously the best in the NFL. Uh, they could have wrapped it up by beating my Rams on Monday night, but it didn't happen. I mean, AD all over the place, 99 all over the place. That boy was a beast on Monday. Just awesome to watch. And so uh, Kyler Murray, James Conner, hats off to, you know, shout out to uh, 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 James Conner as well. Great game for him. But overall, the Rams did play their game. OBJ, uh, Cup, and also Michelle. Sonny Michelle, man, what a, what, a, what a running back. What a running back. I know Henderson's good, but, hey, if, I, if it's up to me, I want Sonny Michelle to run the ball, especially in the red zone. Just, just impressive. What an impressive situation for him. Um, five AFC teams have seven and six records currently, and only two, that's Indy and Buffalo, would qualify for the postseason right now. So five NFC teams have six and seven records, a little bit more lousy on the NFC side. Currently only one, which is uh, Washington, would qualify for the postseason. So after getting uh, run over by the Patriots in Week 13, the Bills look determined to win, obviously. Sunday, Buffalo became the first team in 30 years without any rushing yards by a running back in the first half. 
that's like insane, uh, especially for pro football. You would think that what that approach allowed the the Bucks to build a twenty four to three lead. So that was <laughs> uh, was just weird to see. But uh, the Bucks also cuffed up that advantage after halftime when the Bills unleashed their backs for seven carries and sixty four yards. So uh, Josh Allen's Josh Allen's um, TD run and pair of TDs allowed Buffalo to take the game into overtime uh, before losing. So Allen, uh, I mean, this this is an issue with the Bills, especially with the, with their division. If they can't get it together here, it's starting to look like Miami could creep in, and it's starting to look like it's Patriots are back mentality. So interesting to see how that's going to turn out in terms of the AFC picture there with, with Buffalo being in that, in that sense. So we're going to dive into uh, the huddle right now. We're going to go into the huddle, and we're going to be talking to uh, talented and always Team USA gold medalist uh, Nenji Martin and also the quarterback and owner of the San Diego Rebellion, including head coach Brandon Archie right here in a couple minutes. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, Nenji, Coach Archie, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, how about yourself? We're good, we're good. I'm doing well, I'm um, doing well too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Um, Nenji, uh, 2022 IFAB cha- World Championship back. Everybody's excited. Mexico's excited. Canada's excited. Uh, you've been there, you know, the 2017, everybody's stoked. Great Britain. Uh, also, Australia, it's, it's going to come back. So let's start there because that's, it's just 2022, just we, we kick in into this, this huge event in, in terms of the world stage for women's tackle football. Absolutely. Um, super excited. It's It's been a long time coming. I know they wanted to do it um, possibly in 2020 or 2021, um, but with everything going on, <clears throat> this is this is their first opportunity to get back to it. So I'm really excited to, to know that it's going to be happening. Ninja, uh, the coaching changed. You already know the news. Uh, Callie Branson, mm-hmm. uh, we all know Callie, uh, head coach of the USA football team. So, um, she's going to obviously take some time right after, uh, I believe, you know, the NFL season ends full force right into uh, March, April, May, pretty much a crunch, four months, four months to get the, you know, everything set up for coaching staff plus the roster. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty intense uh, moment for her as well. But, uh, you know, she's up for the task, former champion, former Team USA champion, former WFA champion. So she's no stranger to, you know, a big spotlight in terms of women's tackle football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I saw the choice, I thought it was a great one by USA Football. Um, Callie has been very involved in USA Football, uh, not to mention the uh, role that she's taken in the NFL as probably one of the most visible at this point. You know, there's there's several women out there with Coach Lowe, Coach King, Coach Sowers, um, but, <clears throat> you know, Callie has really done a great job of, working her way through at Dartmouth, um, you know, with the Bills, and now with the Browns. Just uh, she's, she's done a great job for women in coaching and, you know, playing with her. Uh, you know, her, uh, myself, and Katie Ott were, you know, some of the three defensive players that were always talking to the coaches. So I'm not surprised that she was the choice for head coach. 
Now, Ninji, the, the world stage is different now. Uh, we, we're not going to have Germany, but we are going to have the powerhouses in Europe. And now, you know, mm-hmm. down south, Mexico, uh, what an impressive mm-hmm. uh, bronze finish in Vancouver. And then also, always Canada. Canada is itching to get, you know, there because they've always finished up. And I'm talking to all the Canadian, you know, players up north in the, in the WWCFL and obviously in the Maritime. I mean, they would love nothing but, you know, to just – up, you know, get a win, get the gold medal, and they have silver medalists for, you know, back-to-back tournaments. So, uh, this, in other words, the the teams on the world stage, they are getting better, you know, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, Canada uh, three times the the runner-up. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. I know that football um, on the Canadian side of it has gotten better every single time that we face them as has the rest of the world that's been playing. I know Mexico for us in 2017 was a huge shock. Um, not that they ended up doing anything, but just the speed with which they came out with, the intensity that they came out with, I think our whole team kind of took our hats off to them. Um, <clears throat> you know, with that said, we've got a few Mexico players with the Rebellion who aren't necessarily national team players, but, you know, we're hoping that with the coaching that they're getting from Coach Archie and Coach Serrata and the other guys that we have out there, uh, we can start to, to put players on that international stage from here in San Diego um, as well as on the American team. So there's that. Pretty exciting. Um, you're, the, you're an owner of the, of the league. Uh, I was just talking here before I, I brought you guys on. The WNFC has made changes even from year one, right, uh, in terms of the mm-hmm. teams. There's teams that just didn't fit, didn't have the – you know, whatever the makeup is required by the league. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really uh, interesting to see the, the format that the WNFC requires, especially now with so many partners and so many sponsors and things like that. So to elevate the game to another level, uh, Ninja, you're an owner in the league. I mean, at this point, you do need to require that everybody else that jumps into your league be committed, right, in, in a lot of senses, financially, in a lot of senses in terms of, this, of the games, you no know, forfeits. There's a lot of pressure, in other words, to be in the WNFC. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, It's an invite-only type of league. And I think, you know, um, you can go back to conversations that you and I have had, um, that I've had with other people in women's football, and I've always said, Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody should get to play at the highest level. Not everybody should get the the pro status and the big sponsors. Um, I know that the WFA is, is making great strides, and every time the WNFC does something, the WFA does a great job of answering back with their version of it. Um, but I just believe that to have the highest quality teams and games, you have to make sure that you're vetting everybody that comes in and everybody has to meet that gold standard. And I think that's something that the, the WNFC has done a great job of because every year they've learned and they've grown and they've set the highest expectations every single year. And so even if you were there year one, if you're not meeting those expectations, you don't get to just come along for the ride. You have to continually prove yourself as a team and an organization. And uh, that, for me, is something that I really respect about what OJ and Dillo and, and all those um, folks at the WNFC are getting done over there. And, Ninja, you know as a business person, you, you obviously have done other things besides football. You know, the, the level of excellence has to be met. In other words, you're not going to get to the next level if, nobody's, if not everybody's on the same page, right? So it becomes really a necessitary thing where – like you said, the vetting is very important because you got to have your ducks in line. You can't go into a season thinking you're going to make it at the end. you got to go into a season knowing that you're going to make it, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, full transparency. Uh, I know yep. football. I, you know, have helped us put together a coaching staff that includes Brandon Archie, who's done a great job with our team, and him and John Serrata have really turned our program around. But it's Katie Ott, um, her business knowledge. She has a master's in business. Um, you know, she has her undergrad from Smith. She is fluent in business. And so for the Rebellion, having her um, as part of that driving force, having Jess Serrata mm-hmm. as our GM, um, you know, they make a lot of those key business decisions and help in that regard. And so, you know, I'm, I make the football side look good. Um, Archie has helped with the on-field product, but it's definitely Katie Ott um, and, and Jess that help drive our, our business side of it. And I think in, in general, I don't think we're shocked about that, but at the same time, for me as a longtime follower and, you know, supporter, it's like, for me, it's, it's the next level. You know, we have to be serious about it. If we want to be like the NBA, the WNBA, the NHL, you know, if you want to be about the, uh, the, the pro leagues, the, the foundation starts at the ownership level. It also starts at, you know, at that coaching level. I mean, there's just a lot of boxes that you got to check off to be consistent, yes. like you said, to have that on-field product that's going to draw the fans in. Absolutely. I was just about to say that. I think the rebellion, you know, we, we figured out the business side of it, and then, mm-hmm. you know, bringing Coach Archie in, he has, has really brought that, that on-field side to it. You know, um, I worked with him at, at Sarah High School and him, and him and Coach Serrata. I mean, what they've done with our program is, to, for me, being 20 years in the league in, in women's football, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond ecstatic to be working with them, you know, every day of the season. All right. Um, let's, let's, go, let's talk to the coach here because, um, Coach Archie, um, you're coming from the high school background. You're coming from, you know, give us, your, give us your, uh, an idea of, like, you know, when you got asked to take on this, uh, this role as head coach on a women's tackle football league. Right. So, uh, Ninji and I worked together over at Sarah High School here in San Diego, um, you know, and she worked on the defense side of the ball. I worked on the offensive side of the ball. And we both had a respect for each other and uh, how we – how we coached. And so she approached me and asked to coach um, prior to the 2020 season. Um, and then unfortunately COVID, uh, you know, mm-hmm. happened. And so we didn't get that 2020 season, uh, you know, fast forward to 2021, um, you know, Ninji went into the year as the head coach, um, you know, obviously Ninji plays during the games. And so um, I was the active head coach during the, uh, during the games and, you know, going going into the games, um, I always wanted to make decisions best for the team. And so, um, you know, I didn't try to be anything more or less of, than myself. And Ninji and Katie felt like they could give me that – they felt that they could give me that realm to be the head coach. And, you know, ever since I've been running with it, um, I don't see it different coaching women rather than men. Um, at the end of the day, it's football, and the players want to be there, and they want to learn. Right, and that's why I'm saying because there's a lot of coaches that come into it with different aspects, but I think on the women's side, most coaches tell me that they, they, they retain a lot more. They want to know why their learning process is a little bit more intense for coaches sometimes because there's a lot more questions thrown in versus, you know, a, 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 you know youth football or, or even men's football where everything's kind of established in terms of knowledge. But when you go into the women's game, a lot of times you are being challenged more as a coach. Definitely. I agree. You know, coaching, you know, coaching women, they do ask for the why. Um, They want to know why they're doing what they're doing. And as a coach, that's a great feeling to have, to be honest with you. 
um, because as a coach, you should be coaching with attention to detail, and you should always have a reason why you're asking your players to perform with that technique, um, why you're doing that drill. And so, yeah, I do agree with you. Um, women do ask why. Um, in, the, in the men's, you know, I coach Juco football right now here in San Diego at San Diego Mesa College. They do ask why, um, but it's not as much. Um, they're more like, yes, coach, I'll do what you ask, um, and, and they go from there. Coach Archie, uh, the season that you had or prior to the season coming in, uh, you were scoping the roster, obviously setting the roster for everyone that was interested. Um, what did you see at the beginning with the Rebellion? Yeah, you know, we, we had a lot of veteran players. Um, we had a lot of veteran players that had been playing for a long time. So um, I knew as a staff that we had to establish our trust with them. Um, you know, like I said, we had been hired prior to the 2020 season. And so before we got to play a game, we were just selling hopes and dreams and our vision. Um, we were telling players the scheme and how we would play, but they couldn't believe that until they actually got to play for us. And so I saw a veteran group that we had to uh, earn, earn their trust. Um, and I also saw rookies, rookies that were eager to learn, rookies that were eager to play football the right way. Um, you know, we, we didn't have too much in between. It was a very veteran-heavy group and then a rookie-heavy group. And um, we had a nice mesh of players that um, trusted in us as a staff as the season went along, and uh, they did a great job for us. Now, Coach, uh, at the beginning, uh, the season was short, really close games. You guys were playing really good ball in terms of no, you're not blowing anybody out, but you're really solid football in terms of, you know, getting the wins. Um, what did you speak to in terms of once you guys got into the dance? Everybody was like, okay, I don't think the Rebellion, even myself, we had some doubts about, you know, up against Utah, for example. Everybody's like, okay, this is probably not going to be – a great, you know, end result. But then you guys showed up and literally shocked the WNFC in, in a way that we, nobody would have predicted. Yeah. My philosophy personally is that you want to play your best football uh, when you get into the dance. And so uh, the regular season, my philosophy, regular season is practice. Now, obviously you want to win those games, um, but it's practice because at the end of the day, you want to play your best ball uh, when it all counts. And so we felt like, you know, we had a tough schedule um, and we felt like it had prepared us for our run uh, to go to Denton and play the elite. Um, and so I, you know, I, I just think, I just think when you approach it that way, um, you slowly build brick by brick and you start to play your best brand of football at the right time. And that's what matters the most. Uh, you don't want to plateau in the middle of the season and you don't want to reach your high in the middle of the season. Uh, you just want to continue to build so that you're playing your best brand of football when it matters most. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you guys did a good job against that. Um, Nenji, Vegas, kind of a thorn on your side at, at the same time. Deion Lee coming back pretty much knows you. There's a no, no stranger there. But uh, getting that win against Vegas, that was huge to get you guys to the next step. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, Dion and I go way back. We've been playing against each other for probably almost a decade now between, you know, my runs in L.A. and San Diego. Uh, so, you know, the competition there is nothing new. He's always going to be able to yell out your plays from the sideline. He's always going to have 
high caliber athletes with great motors who are willing to, you know, give their hearts for him and, and that team. Uh, you know, I think for us, that playoff game, um, nothing against Vegas, but I, I know that that was not our best brand of football. So I think we're hungry to, to show everybody that what we did last season was just the start of what we're capable of. I think we're building something here, and we just want to keep building on what we started. So I thought we had some great games last year. I'm excited for another great game against Vegas this upcoming season. I know it's going to be a battle from here on out, and I love that about the WNFC. Coach Archie, the West has been the focus, focal point primarily since the inception of this league. You know, clashes between Seattle, San Diego, Las Vegas now. So it's like it's a dogfight to get out of the West, and ultimately you get Utah as well as one of the top-notch players, and then you, you get to face the top dogs, which is uh, the Texas Elite Spartans. But the West is kind of battle-tested in a lot of sense. I don't know what the L.A. Legends are going to look like here. Uh, I know the Bobcats were somewhat of a down year for them, but overall I think the Rebellion was you know, taking advantage of the good competition. Now in, in Vegas, Coach, you feel like you just got out barely with because they made some mistakes that obviously benefited you at the end there. Yeah, you know, you can you can make the argument that they made mistakes. Um, you know, Ninji said it best. We also didn't play our best brand of football. Um, but it went, when it mattered most, you know, we call it the money down, third down, fourth down. Mm-hmm. When it mattered most, we converted. And so, um, you know, I think that's our takeaway from that game is when it mattered most, we converted. Um, when we needed to get off the field, we got off the field. Um and, you know, that's that's playoff football. And, it, and it's tough to beat a second team twice, a really good, great team twice. Um, and, you know, we were able to do that. And, um, you know, it was a good result in the end. Now, getting out of Vegas, uh, Ninji and Coach, what was the mindset? You get the win in Vegas. Now we're going, we're going to, you know, the next stage, which this was the obstacle because everybody, you know, we all know what Utah's all about. We all know what Utah's capable of. But, uh, Nenji, what was your – as a quarterback, what was your mindset here? You're going up against Bean, going up against Rasmussen, uh, Magana, who had a great year the whole year. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, uh, my goal as a quarterback was just, you know, protect the ball when it's in my hands, do the best that I can to keep our offense um, in the positive and, you know, moving the ball, scoring points. Um as far as Utah goes, I know that everybody on our team had lost to them. Um, but with that said, we had all played them. We all knew kind of what we were going to get. And my hat goes off to John Serrata. Um, when I've coached with him defensively, he has always done a great job against, um, you know, double-wing, triple-option teams. And so I was mm-hmm. confident that he would come up with a great game plan, and he did, and our players executed. Um, you know, I got to play some snaps on defense which felt great, but, you know, my goal and my role was to help the offense. And, you know, I, I was able to do that when I needed. And, you know, again, I just think it was an overall great game, but I know that our players bought into what Serrata was doing with the defense, and that was what it took. It took, you know, four quarters of discipline to do your job, don't care what anybody else is doing, just do your job football. And, Coach Archie, uh, let's talk about the defense. Because it doesn't, you know, you can't have complimentary football if you don't. All three phases aren't going. But that defense really did a good job the whole year, even into the playoffs. Uh, we we talked about it. Um, we, you know, we looked at it. And once you guys got, you know, past Utah, 
I mean, we had to give them credit because they did a good job like Ninji said here. Yeah, and like Ninji said, John, John Serrata, um, our D.C., he, he is one of the brilliant minds in football. Um, you know, the game plan that he was able to put together week in and week out, um, and then for us to, you know, go into Utah and beat Utah on their turf, we don't get out of there without our defense. And so uh, that was veteran-led. We had a lot of veterans on that defense. Um, you know, you talk about Havoc, uh, you talk about Mercedes Tyler, you talk about Katie Ott on the back end, Mm -hmm. Taylor, um, Ashley Austin Bean, um, you know, lovely Lopez. There's a lot of players on that defense that stepped up when we needed them to. And, um, like you said, we don't, we don't get out of Utah without our defense and they did a great job. You know, they only gave up 52 points total on the year. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and that's all we can ask for out of that group. Ninji, uh, the off season with this team seemed different. Is it the is it the you know the CrossFit training? Was it the COVID off season where like everybody was just more focused about learning their skills or fundamentals and things like that? Because it was different than the first year you guys were out. This year it seemed it seemed like it was complementary on both sides. Even though it wasn't like you're blowing out teams, but you were playing really good football. And when it mattered, you obviously got you know you got the extra yards or you got the touchdown you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly believe that it is the coaching staff that helped our players in that off season, that off time, grasp um, some of the nuances of football. Um, and when you have those little smaller foundation details, the bigger picture becomes a little bit more clear and you get to play a little bit faster. So we had a ton of veteran players. And we were able to take those veteran players and we were actually able to up their football IQ um, without having to put any wear and tear on the body. So for us, that offseason and that downtime was huge and it was beneficial because we had great coaches. We had a great medium to get the information across via Zoom. And so it really, the time almost benefited us more than being on the field. Um, but, you know, our defense was, was already coming together. It was our offense that, that I think was really able to dial in on the field. But just in general, I think the coaching staff is, is really what made the biggest difference. And I think it's the key to, to be consistent, right, Coach Archie, the fact that everybody's on the same page in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of, you know, uh, setting the bar, and then the players really executing the playbook to the point where they are, they're comfortable with the playbook. Yeah, definitely. You know, as a staff, um, you know, we try our best to communicate, um, you know, um, we don't, we don't always communicate well with our players. And that's something that we work on daily um, that we have been working on this off season. Um, But you do want to be in alignment from the top to the bottom. You want to be going in one direction and that matters. It really does because, um, you know, that translates to the field um, and the performance on the field. Ninja, let's talk uh, uh, the, the clash, um, the end, as we would say, the, the battle for the nine cup. Um, the stage was set. Great weekend in Dallas uh, set by the WNFC. Uh, Fortel was unable to make it, but a lot of feedback about how great it was in terms of the scene there with the, uh, the girls' flag, all the events. Um, what did you guys do there prior to the game? Did you guys unwind, or was it just more focus focus on that, on the you know on the battle that was coming up forward? Yeah, I mean, realistically for us, it was a business trip. So um, everything that we did, uh, I know we, the coaching staff met, 
ahead of time, and we had the whole four days that we were there planned out for our players from uh, what time they're up in the morning, what time meetings are, what time, you know, we're providing food, what time we have um, sessions available with our chiropractor and our acupuncturist, um, all that stuff that they needed to be ready. We made sure that it was scheduled for them and they, you know, had an itinerary of all the things that we also needed to be at as a team. Um, I thought the weekend itself was great. You know, the league always does a good job with, the nine cup championship uh, as a, you know, sort of end celebration for the league. So I'm not surprised that it's gotten great feedback. I did not get to do as many of the like fan event things, but you know, the stuff that I went to um, for the relative youngness of our league and how grassroots our admin still is, I think that they did a phenomenal job. Coach Archie, um, a new, a new environment for you. You know, you, you said experiencing Yoku. Uh, this is a brand-new realm. It's a league that's starting to get some traction and wants to be relevant in terms of a pro sport. Um, so what does it mean for you to be at that early stage? Yeah, that, yeah I, you know, I think that's what drives me to come back um, each year um, is, one, we're building something special here here in San Diego with the Rebellion. But, two, just – to pass along the knowledge that um, others have taught me um, to women throughout the nation, women in other countries, um, you want the you want the league to grow, and so um, that means that anytime you have great information to teach, um, you want to you want to be a resource to anybody in the league. Because uh, at the end of the day, we want competition, and so um, that's something that we pride ourselves on at San, in, in San Diego. Um, you know, we never mind teaching scheme teaching technique. Uh, we don't mind being that resource for the football community here in women's football. And I think that's a, a key thing for the, the league to grow is certain teams being committed, um, you, you guys being part of basically the origin of the league. So, Nenji, I mean, if you put your, your franchise right up there, uh, when, you, when we talk WNFC, we have to talk to San Diego, and it's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that's always been a, a goal of mine. You know, I, I owned the Surge for one season, and my goal with that, you know, stint in ownership was I wanted to try to start to build the best football organization that I could. Um, you know, that ended, but it gave me a chance to start the rebellion with Katie, and it's it's been all the things that we hoped it would be. Um, it's a family organization. It's a learning and growing organization. We expect all of our veterans to be resources for our rookie players. Um, just like we make sure that we bring in top-level coaches um, from the high school, and obviously now Coach Archie is with the JUCO uh, level. But, you know, our goal is to be a professional women's football organization, and um, I, I think we've done a really good job of that. And I, I thank the WNFC for giving us a solid platform to do it on and to set the bar high. What is your expectation, uh, Ninji, for 2022? Uh, is it back to the championship? Obviously, you, it was a, a clash of clashes there. Uh, but is, is that the goal now? Is the mindset is just to, to get back to the nine cup? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I've talked about it with lots of our players. I think the mentality is going to be the same as it was, one game at a time. You know, every game, you, you have to win every game, especially in a short season. Um, but the, the nine cup is where we want to be. We, we know that we can play better football than we put on display there. We know that we can compete with Texas. They've got great athletes across the board. I've played with a lot of them on the national team, on all-star teams. And I know that, that our San Diego and L.A. players are just hungry to get another shot. So, but, but we're really excited about 2022. You know, it's, like I said, we, we just want to keep building on what we did last year. All right. Um, Coach Archie, uh, re- 2022 looks very bright. A uh, brand-new team in Los Angeles. Seattle's probably going to return. you got Vegas on the other side, you know, making a great uh, stride with Dion Lee, obviously the experienced head coach. So, uh, rebellion in terms of a schedule coach, uh, you, you know, it's going to be another, probably another grind just to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And that's all right. Um, that's, that's definitely okay with us. Uh, we understand coming out of the West is a tough beat. Um, like you said, the teams that you listed off, you talk about Vegas, Utah. Um, I mean, Oregon was on, on par to make playoffs before their running back got hurt. Uh, you talk about Denver, mm-hmm. even a veteran gritty group in Seattle, um, L.A. had an off year. Um, Phoenix is up and coming. They've, they've laid down their f- foundation. And so, Dan, what we're up against, and, you know, we now, now that we're in year two and we have built our foundation, um, now, now we can build off of that. And so uh, we're super excited to get going here shortly. Um, we obviously understand that uh, it's a slow build. Um, like Ninji said, you got to take it one day at a time, uh, starting with tryouts um, and then camp. Um, and then you start practicing and you get into the season. And like I said earlier, you just want to start playing your your best brand of football at the right time. Ninji, uh, on the business side of things, uh, sponsorship going well here for this 2022 or, uh, you know, return sponsors? In other words, they saw value in, in 2021 for you guys. So, so on the business side, I mean, how's, what does it look like right now in terms of, like, you know, supporting the franchise from the outside? Yeah, I mean, on the business side of it, the, the businesses that we were working with are going to continue working with us. Um, we're always looking for new sponsorships. Uh, you know, we pride ourselves on our live stream. Uh, it's one of the best in the league, and so, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that we use with our sponsors, being able to get them visibility, whether it's, you know, banners, um, things, you know, advertising during the streams. But we definitely love to be able to showcase the businesses that – um, help support our organization. So we're always looking for new businesses, but, you know, the ones that have worked with us have, have always come back. Now, talking about streams, um, as an owner, Ninja, how proud are you to have every single game? That was huge. That was huge. Um, you know, honestly, in 2018, when Katie and I first started the team and we were with the WFA, we streamed all of our games. Uh, that was something that we wanted to make sure that every Rebellion fan, no matter where they were, could watch our football games. So for us in the WNFC, we always take our stream crew with us. You know, we know that other teams have their crews, but we like to make sure that we know what, what we're giving to our fans. But the fact that the WNFC has all of the games streamed, that you can watch women's football on your TV, uh, you know, it's one of those things that 20 years ago when I first started playing, 19 years ago, um, you didn't think was going to was gonna be a reality, and now here it is. And so it's really exciting to see that. Coach Archie, um, 
the business sense of the league, uh, I'm pretty sure you've, you know, read into it. Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of how this WNFC could evolve to something bigger? Yeah, um, you know, I think I think the WNFC has done a great job this far um, in building the brand and, and building uh, this league. Um, going forward, you know, I would like to I would like to see um, us coaches have a coaches clinic soon. Um, you know, hosting hosting players, coaches nationwide, um, worldwide, um, to be able to come to one common place and talk ball. Because, uh, like I said, at the end of the day. Um, we want to provide resources for all players and coaches to be their best version of themselves. And so I think a coach's clinic, a player clinic, um, where you can, where you can host, uh, host players in a classroom, coaches in a classroom, learn football, and then you get on the field right away, um, right after that. And so, you know, that's something um, us as an organization here in San Diego, uh, we're planning to do after the 2022 season uh, in 2023. We want to host a clinic of sort like that. Um, again, being a resource for women coaches all over the all over the nation and worldwide um, to be better. Ninji, uh, the flag scene has exploded worldwide, exploded in the high school realm. Um, are you guys hooking up to that as well? Because I know I read uh, and I talked to uh, uh, OJ Jenkins in the past where uh, the initiative was to try to get the w, every WNFC team to have either a, a flag outlet of some sort, right, for recruitment and just mm-hmm. for introducing the game and introducing your franchise to the community and things like that. So is that still the mindset for 2022 to just kind of roll into that mentality where you have a flag type of environment for somebody that's going to be interested or if you're in the, in a state that already has flag, right, as a formal high school? Yeah, so we are in a state. Um, so we don't have structured flag teams in high school at, in throughout California. Um, I'm sure there are mm-hmm. a few um, probably up in Northern California. Um, for us, we work with um, San Diego uh, flag. They're a girls and youth flag organization. We also do a lot of camps with Jen Welter um, working on, you know, football f- skills and drills, playing little flag games there. So as far as um, girls in flag, we definitely are, are always, you know, working camps and working clinics and stuff like that. We are trying to figure out how to get a rebellion youth flag program going as well as, um, you know, a high school or youth flag program going. Um, but for right now, we are trying to work with some of the schools to do a high school developmental team where we would get girls who are interested in football out to our practices allow them to learn the game in a welcoming environment um, where maybe they're not going to be, um, you know, put out there and, you know, feel intimidated by the rest of the boys or something like that. So that's something that one of our players has been working on. But we definitely want to see more girls in both flag and in tackle where the coaching is good and the, you know, environment is welcoming and can help them grow and succeed in football because that's what we're really what we want in the end. All right. Uh, are you stepping back into the sidelines at, at anytime soon here in terms of the, the WNFC scene, or are you uh, still going to be getting your hits, as they say? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm always part of the, the coaching conversations with Archie and Serata and Darren, and, you know, Katie's involved in those as well. We're bringing on some new coaches this year. My goal has always been to be able to, to just play football, 
Um, you know, part of the reason I took over as the head coach was because the coaches we had on staff at the time weren't meeting the expectations for practices and scheme and just implementation of basic football. And so for me, I had to step in and say, this is how we're going to do it. This is why. And when Coach Serrata and Coach Archie came in, I started to be able to hand some of that back to the coaches because I, I am still a player. I still do have, um, you know, some years on me. And so it's, it's nice to not have to coach and play. I can just play. Yeah, that's the reason I bring it up because there's a lot of, you know, scenarios where, that, where that's happening, right, where, like, the, the player and a coach and – it doesn't really, yeah. you know, it's not great for both sides because the focus isn't 100% at that point, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that conversation is hard for me because when the NFL first started, a lot of those top-level players were player coaches. And the reason right. for that is because you're going to get some of the best coaching from the players that are in it, whether it's because men come in and mansplain it or dumb it down or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to sometimes get the most honest and, and most real coaching from women who've been playing the game. If they're well coached, if they're well informed, X, Y, and Z. Um, all of the women who have coached in our program have either played on the national team or are coaching high school football. Um, you know, with mm-hmm. the exception of Kristen Smirzinski, who's been playing flag football for, you know, two decades and she was our receivers coach. So, you know, it's, it's the type of thing where the, the player coaches that we have are also vetted. They're just as vetted as our regular coaches um, because, you know, they're the, the players that have been in it. They know the most about women's football because it is slightly different than men's football sometimes. Um, and that's partly because the game is still evolving. The scheme is still um, expanding and still becoming more complex. But, you know, I, I love coaching. I can't wait to get back to it. I love coaching high school football. Um, you know, any opportunity I get to coach women's football, I always take it. But, for, for now, being able to be on, on the field as a player is is just fun. It's what I want. Okay. Um, let's talk about reality, which is, you know, building up for the season. So if anybody's listening to us right now in terms of the Rebellion, they're interested to go to the Rebellion for tryouts or get on the roster, um, yep. uh, player fees, info, things like that. I mean, are, are they, you know, similar to what it was last year? And what are they? And then – you know, do they need to do community hours? I mean, every team's structured differently, right, in terms of, like, what they demand. So if you, if somebody wants to get on the Rebellion and they're in San Diego right now or Los Angeles and they want to come out, and what's the, their financial burden, per se, is going to be, you think? So for us, the way we do it is we have a set player fee, which is usually um, around $600. We also have an optional mm-hmm. travel fee, and that is because we take flights. So we basically say – if you want to find your own flight, if you have deals, if you have connects, if you got miles, great. You handle that. While you're traveling with us, we'll cover your travel expenses. Um, if you want to pay into our, our, our basically our optional travel fund, as we said, we found group tickets for this amount of money. This is what it's going to cost you. We'll handle all the, the booking and all of that for you. So, um, you know, we probably would, t- would tell our players that if you need all of your equipment for all of your player fees, for all of your flights and stuff, you're probably looking anywhere from $1,000 to $1,500. Bring a player in, you can get a percentage off of your fees. If you pay all of your fees up front, you get a percentage off of your fees. If you bring in a sponsor, you can get a percentage off of your fees. So we try to find ways to make it so that the, the cost is not what keeps people away. We also, you know, take care of our players when we're traveling. We cover, you know, our hotels. 
We try to bring in, um, you know, dinner after games for our players. Um, with that said, January 29th, we're having our final tryout. It will be Saturday evening under the lights of Westview High School. We have workouts every Sunday, and when I say every Sunday, I do mean every Sunday, 11 a.m., Westview High School. Um, I have a standing reservation for the field, so we are there. Um, everybody is welcome. You do not need football experience. We can teach football. Um, we just want hungry athletes. So, you know, I know that was a long answer, but it's it's all so relative as far as the scale of things. Um, but we have ways where we can make it financially reasonable for anybody that, um, you know, wants to play and has the drive to, to make our, our roster. Yeah, and that's the reason I, I wanted to bring you on because um, you guys are the runner-ups. 2022 is here, and anybody that's interested in Southern California that wants to be part of a successful, you know, team like you guys are right now and looking forward to, obviously, more in terms of relevance in playoffs and maybe finals as well. So uh, it's nice to just get, you know, the the information right from the source, which is the owner and quarterback and obviously uh, the key person in the organization. So uh, San Diego Rebellion uh, is it SanDiegoRebellion.com still, or is it going to be uh, IG? What's the best method for them to get a hold of you? Uh, San Diego Re- Rebellion.com works. We're also on IG, uh, Facebook, Twitter. So reach out to us. Um, I'm on there all the time, so I'm easy to get a hold of. And now Westview uh, Field, if you guys follow Ninji or follow the San Diego Rebellion on IG, uh, you can pretty much get the lowdown of, that Sunday, right? Because you're always posting on stories yes, and also on your post. Yes, I am. So you get to low down, get a, a, do a direct message, and get you there at the field and get you ready yeah. to go. Coach Archie, um, are you excited for 2022? I am. Uh, you know, I was I was just telling my uh, my therapist today because you know every coach needs a coach, and so. Uh, I was telling her today. I, I said, you know, it's a it's a slow it's a slow grind. It's a slow build, and so I have to pace myself emotionally um, to to withstand our whole season. And so uh, I, I'm definitely excited. I got to contain it. Um, you know, I'm actually going through film right now as we speak, and so um, I can't I can't wait to start um, on the second of April. Um, you know, with my players and with my staff. So, Nenji, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you making the arrangements for Coach uh, Archie here to come on um, and giving our audience uh, everything that's happening in terms of San Diego Rebellion football. And uh, you guys are, uh, you know, cream of the crop, WNFC uh, runners-up. Uh, we are expecting, obviously, nothing less than a, a, a better finish in a nine-cup mm-hmm. win. That's the goal. Yes, and sir. So we're, we're really excited to, to get rolling for 2022. Yes. I appreciate you having us on, Oscar. Thank you so much. Thank you, Oscar. Appreciate it. All right. You guys uh, have a great uh, holiday, Christmas, and uh, Happy New Year, and uh, looking forward to February and March as we get rolling into the new season. Yes, you sir, as well. You and also, thank you. Oh. I was going to say also praying for your wife as well, Oscar. You guys take care, all right? Oh, thank you, Coach Arcee. Yeah, she's doing a, a lot better. Uh, just a little situation there that happened, but, uh, you know, with God's faith and everybody's prayers, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're good, and I appreciate that. Awesome, awesome. Have a great night, guys. Uh, we'll touch base in uh, March again to see what it, the roster is going to look like. So I'm 
totally excited to see what your roster is going to look like, Coach Archie. Thank you. Appreciate it. We can't wait to get started, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, all right? All right. Have a great night. All right. Thank you, too. you too. We'll talk. All right, guys, that was uh, Ninji Martin, pioneer, veteran, quarterback, also owner of the WNFC, runner-up, nine-cup, San Diego Rebellion. And uh, what, what a ride for them, going through Vegas, going through Utah, and eventually uh, facing the Texas Elite Spartans. But a great, uh, great organization, looking forward to what they're going to do in 2022. The roster was stout. The defensive side of the ball was really awesome. And I'm pretty sure they're going to get some return veterans there with some additions. So uh, San Diego Rebellion is going to be up and running. And uh, Coach Archie said here, they're getting ready. Coach Serrata uh, bringing it with the hammer on the defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see how San Diego evolves in 2022, especially with the addition of the Legends. Uh, Phoenix, a little bit much improved. Las Vegas, kind of a thorn on their side, and they know what they're all about. Seattle, uh, hopefully will be much improved. Oregon. And so it's going to be interesting to see where they fall. But at this point, they are the cream of the crop in the West. That's the reason we brought them in here. You guys got to check it out, San Diego Rebellion on Twitter, San Diego Rebellion on Instagram. Just Google it. You'll find them. And if you're interested, if you're in Southern California and you've got a knack for hitting people and get a little bit of a excitement for playing actual NFL football, go right there. They'll hook you up, as Ninja said. Look, they'll check out all the financials. They'll make it happen for you, and you'll have a great time for eight weeks and impactful. Also, nationwide coverage for you. So you're going to be spotlighted nationwide on the streams uh, with the WNFC. So check it out, wnfcfootball.com, if you want to learn more about the league. And uh, also SD Rebellion on Twitter. You can go on to Instagram, San Diego Rebellion as well. So you can follow them right there. So check it out, the details, direct message them, get ready as their tryouts are happening here in January. And then they're, they're going to get ready to go finalizing the roster in mid-March. So you want to be part of that roster and all the excitement that's going to happen in 2022 for the WNFC. So check out San Diego Rebellion and Google it, and you'll be right there. All right, guys, what an exciting time uh, to be in terms of the tackle scene. Just uh, the IFAB World Championships coming up here in 2022. Uh, and also uh, the WFA also is going to be kicking off in 2022. So we're going to be diving into the Women's Football Alliance plus the Women's National Football Conference all year long. This is the place to be the best podcast on the planet that covers the sport of women's tackle football news weekly. That is us. Thank you for throwing us over on, in Europe, top, top 150 in Europe. So uh, thank you to everybody in, Brit- in uh, Great Britain. Thank you to everybody in Sweden and Finland. Also in Spain and Germany, really appreciate you guys out there. And also to our Aussie crowd over in Australia, really, really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Really, really appreciate it. So check us out. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Check out everything that's happening in the sport right there. The best network on the planet exists right there. And don't forget to go to Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight's our uh, sponsor of the podcast. Fell right now, Monkey Knife Fight. Just the best platform you can go, more or less. It's really easy to do. There's nothing that you don't want to take advantage of. So uh, you get a $5 free play from us. Use the code NJF. So more or less, makes it extremely easy to pick the players that you like to perform on any given game, especially on Sunday night with all the game slates. Lay out cleanly. You can get to decide if a player will comply more or less in the following categories. Fantasy points, 
rushing yards, receiving yards, passing yards, receptions. Really easy right there when you choose a player to either more or less in a given category. All you have to do is worry about that player's performance. You don't need to worry about the totals, playing against other fantasy sharks, shifting game lines, or a head-to-head matchup with another player. Pick your contest with the players you like. Lock in a more or less for each proposed stat line that you feel confident in and let the good times and cash roll in. More or less straightforward. Pick the players that you feel you have the best chance to outperform or underperform their, their stat line in their game, and that's it. So check it out. Use the code NJF to get started today, and it's going to be great. So dive into the backseat coach here, Mark Simone, and we're going to be talking about women's international news and notes here as well, so let's check it out. Uh, Mark, how's it going? It's going great, Oscar. Uh, another great interview uh, today um, with Ninji Martin. Thank you very much for that. Um, just, uh, you know, brought me back to the last off season um, where you and I definitely took notice of the San Diego Rebellion's uh, off season uh, conditioning program, um, which we saw a lot on Instagram and uh, the other uh, social media platforms. And uh, as it turned out, you know, we continued to follow them. They had, they had quite a season reach the championship uh so they were kind of flying under the radar but uh no longer uh looking forward to the 2022 wnfc season and very interested in seeing how well uh the san diego rebellion will be doing i can tell you right now talking to her right now uh that defense if they upgrade any any more especially with john serrata's mindset uh, we could see probably the best defense in the West in 2022, and that's going to be scary because they were they were they were really holding people down and uh, from scoring. So if they get better at that, um, I mean they got a shot to be the, the. I mean they are the dogs, but if that that defense improves even more, I mean that's going to be elevated a lot more. Right, uh, you know, continuing to build on your successes is it's a lot harder than you know. Um, that's the hardest thing to do, I think. To, to, to do it one season, maybe, uh, you know, exceed expectations um, is, is one thing. But to keep it going, keep that momentum going into the next season and, and not lose that steam and just continue to build, is that's the mark of uh, a well-run organization. And I think the Rebellion is is that kind of organization. I, I think we can expect very good things from them. And you know what her mindset is. You know, she's a winner. She's won at the international stage. She won with the, in the WFA. Uh, she's able, able to win, you know, almost at every level. She's a, a USA football coach as well on top of that. Uh, you know, off the field, she's very professional. So, uh, you know, like she said, with Katie at the business end of it, things, and herself kind of putting together that, the product on the field, um, I think it's really, you know, it's a testament to all their hard work. It's also a testament to all the players on their squad that obviously believes in their leadership. And, uh, you know, bringing in Coach Archie uh, and also Coach Serrata and uh, bringing in uh, Darren Edwards and, you know, uh, Ebony Chambers. I think uh, to, her, to her point earlier, yeah, that it's, it's a big, big, uh, big key to their success. So uh, we're, we're expecting nothing less. Uh, the rebellion rocking in in the West once again. Absolutely, 
and I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to see what they're what they're all about, and uh, they're the front runners for me right now. I mean, I, I know all the all the other teams are eyeing it. I I think Vegas is close second there, but uh, you know, hats off to them for a very successful 2020 uh, 21, and then uh, going against the elites never easy. And I think they they got you know they got what do you call it a sort of reality check in a sense. They know what the elite's about. They got tested against them, so now they got a better picture of what they can, you know, if they have to face them again, what they're what they're able to do. Right. I mean, I think it had been about three years, maybe even four years, since the last time they played uh, uh, the elite. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you got to expect that there's going to be a, you know, just a kind of get to get to know you sort of um game unfortunately that was the championship game but um yeah. you know now that they have that experience now they know where that they can set the bar right and they they know what the realities are of 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 reaching that goal um now that they know their competition trying, a bit I better to get, i was trying to get ninja to retire but she just didn't go for it she said, no, it's not happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was pressing for like, hey, are you, you going to step back to the sidelines and just, you know, bring in somebody else? Uh, it didn't happen. She says until her uh, her motor's still working, so I guess it's until it's it can't work no longer then. Forced to be on the sidelines. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it it's going to take all the wheels to fall off. You know, even if one or two will go and she'll, I mean, she'll unicycle her way forward if she has to. Seriously. Uh, Seriously, <laughs> she's, a, she's yeah, she's a hard cookie. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure at some point we'll see it. Well, we'll see it on the sidelines at some point. It's just it's going to be one of those things that's going to happen. You know, she's on the high school sidelines too, so it's just it's going to happen. Sure. But uh, as of now, yeah. she, I mean, she's the, the leader of the rebellion, and uh, she is like I said, she's looking forward to return to the finals. So uh, and at one of the top five teams that you know they can do that. Um, oh, she just messaged me and says. I can actually ride a unicycle, so there, that, that, there it goes. <laughs> that doesn't Good surprise me. <laughs> and not in San Diego, of course. Of any places, that would be the ideal. I said San Diego on the beach side. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's it. That fits, uh, right? Yeah, no, that fits for sure. Yeah, no. She's uh, she's a she's a, a lady of many talents. Let's just say that. That's right. <laughs> Preferably so let's maybe we'll... Maybe we'll see if she can unicycle and juggle at the same time. That would be now. That would really be something. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, no, she's awesome. She's awesome, and we can't give her enough credit. And um, so, hats off to her and uh, Katie, uh, the whole coaching staff out there. They they've done a great job, and we look forward to the WNFC. And and Mark, I talked to her about you know, hey, not every team is you know. Uh, I guess, you know, to be at the with the WNFC, and we've seen that already. Year one, the, the Pumas were gone. New Orleans Hippies are gone. We got Nebraska Nyacks gone. I mean, so I, I think in, in in that sense, in a business sense mode, that's had to, that has to happen. And I don't think I'm, I'm surprised about that because I think it's really that's what the reality is. If you don't have logistics in place, you're not going to be committed to the roster. You're not going to be able to, you know, uh, be a, a high business-minded individual organization, then, yeah, the the league says, I, we don't need you, you know? Right. You know, uh, standards have to be defined, and um, they need to be met. And if they're not met, there has to be consequences. Um, 
when you're when you're trying to establish a you know a new league, that's more important than than anything, you know, because mistakes are going to be made along the way. But if 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 you know the ones that you just can cut them out and not have to deal with them, it saves a lot of uh, time and frustration. Um, and you know they want to control the growth of of the league. And they don't want it to. Uh, you know, fall under its own weight by holding on to teams that really aren't up to snuff, you know? Um, and we so, said it before, Mark, we're, we're not, we're not into, we're never going to get to where we want to get as a sport if we're thinking too recreational. And that's the mind, a great recreational mindset, right? So it's like if you just allow a team to just come in and just play their thing, but they're not committed to doing the right things or what is asked of them, that's not professional. You know what I mean? The WNBA doesn't, uh, you know, sustain a franchise. They either reshift it or relocate it, whatever they got to do because of business sense or whatever. But the WNFC, same thing here. The ownership has to be committed. Uh, you know, they got to put a roster together. They got to put a coaching staff together. They got to be able to have, be a resource, as she said, for the players to make sure the players are understanding, you know, just that the same commitment they're putting in, the organization is putting that same commitment to try to, like, you know, bring the level of awareness for the sport. Absolutely, and you know they want they want every team to operate like that. Um, you know, uh, in in the WSA, which is a league that's very large with three different levels, there are different expectations of the teams at, at different levels, and mm-hmm. you know that can that can get kind of confusing. And you know, sometimes you have you know players that just. It, they're not a good match for the team in their area in terms of what kind of commitments are, are needed, you know? So, um, it, it's, it's a lot easier, I think for the WNFC to sort of focus and try and make sure that every team in the league, um, you know, has, has the capacity to be a professional team right in a professional league that's that's the goal if yeah like, if we're a, not going to get to that something level about a team can't do that they don't want them like a WNBA or NBA you know what i mean we're not going to get to that level of acceptance in terms of a mainstream mentality unless every every franchise is on the on the same page to your point right because they got to have it like yeah. they were the first ones to put a live stream up right to 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 actually financially put in their own money have a live stream as she mentioned here and she said you know this was important to have the parents of the players uh you know be able to watch you know the players on a live stream but also fans that would be drawn into from the players or from you know everybody else so you know shout out to them and san diego digital imagery for doing a fantastic job the first year yeah yeah they had a really good product in their, in their sort of first year of, of, of launching that. So, um, again, you know, providing, at least providing an example of, you know, a high quality operation. Um, and I think that helps the other teams in the league too. Um, and I know, you know, I, they know the, uh, they help each other. So it's I think good in, to have in reality, the, the leadership knows that uh, live streaming uh, streaming services, everything else. That's that's where we're at now in, in this day and age, right? And you gotta you gotta grab onto whoever can 
you know, help you out along the way. And it's, it's beneficial for that. So I think the changes are going to be somewhat surprising in terms of when the schedule comes out, right, for the WNFC. We're going to get to see who survived, who was in, who's out. Uh, there's going to be changes, obviously, all the way around. Um, I mean, I, I can't confirm at this point whether Las Cruces is coming back or not uh, at this point. Um, I do know Nebraska has been scrapped off from what I know. So it's going to be interesting to see what the schedule is going to look like once they, they put it out. Uh, yes, I am waiting with bated breath, as they say, even though I don't really know what that means. Um, it's one of these expressions. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But I am waiting, uh, and I am looking forward to, to, to seeing what happens. It, you know, certainly it will be a shame um, if, if there is some contraction. But we'll just have to see, you know. But I think the contraction is um, is okay as long as it's making sense for the league in terms of a business end, right? Because like we talked Without about before, we don't want to have forfeit games in season. That's not the NFL. And the WNFC really is, is really focused on being the NFL, right, of women's tackle football. So you, if, right. you are, if you don't want to have that problem, you're, you're gonna you're gonna vet that team that obviously doesn't have everything in line in terms of a checkoff list. You know, you're missing something. You're not gonna be, you know, welcome into the league, which is I think ideal because it's fair for all the owners too. Because you lose money if you look at money as a sense, right? If one team falters, everybody takes a hit. So you want to be able to have everybody on the same page without having to take that hit. You know? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean. That's that's the idea, you know. Don't want to get dragged down by mm-hmm. you know some sort of sense of loyalty or some sort of kind of false feeling like oh you know we don't want the league to shrink you know we don't want to lose this team. Um, it that's not really realistic thinking. It's, it's not a business. It's not a good business sense, right? You, you got to make tough calls and. Sometimes the tough calls really aren't that tough. Um, and if you've got to, you know, cut a team loose uh, for the, the betterment of the league and to the benefit of the other teams who are pulling their own weight, then, then that's what you've got to do. Yeah, and I think it's, we've seen that swiftly. Uh, and I think, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I know it's not comforting for people to say, okay, you can't participate, right, because now you're in a – kind of the neglecting certain uh, certain aspects of it. But when you lay down the foundation of what is allowable and what's not, everybody should know when before they come in. And if they can't meet those standards, obviously, like you said, the changes will be made to benefit ultimately the rest of the teams plus the brand to keep it afloat and get more visibility. So I really think they've done a good job there. So we'll see what the schedule looks like hopefully in March here as we do it. But, uh, you know, shout out to San Diego Rebellion for doing a great job two years in. Um, with the first year and now the second year being in the finals. And, uh, you know, to her and the coaching staff there, you know, they've done a great job. And, you know, not that the offense was any any uh, less than the defense, but uh, we got to give the girls on defense their due. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. All right, uh, Mark. Uh, Liga Elite Monterey, what a great uh, finish. If you were watching the Group A final, Toriana's Raiders, you called it. Last week, you said Torianas will take this, 
I said the Raiders are undefeated, but hey, you said, hey, the Troyanas will come for this, and wow, 29-6, and they end the game on a touchdown on, on top of that. So you can get it right there at the Hub, courtesy of FIBA Sports. Yeah, you know, we saw it coming in just analyzing sort of the point differentials in, in the games. And, um, you know, it, it seems like the semifinal between the, the Trionis and the Ravens was, um, you know, on paper, when it, when you look at um, the amount of points that these teams put up and the amount of points that they um, give up on defense, which are also very low, right, would have been um, sort of more – more close, uh, but as it as it was, Triana shut out the Ravens and then just just continued their tear into the final against the undefeated Raiders, um, and just just pretty much walloped them. It it was a uh, very impressive. Now Troyanas were the the uh, the lowest seed in um, the Azul uh, division, and they just mm-hmm. rocked it. Just rocked it. Yeah, shout out to them. They they played a fantastic game, and what a way to end it with the TD at the end. You know, just to make it a staple. Boom, just, and just yeah. they were just stoked about it. So twenty nine to six, Troyanas defeat the Raiders. Yeah, congratulations to the Troyanas. Um, uh, what a you know what a great what a great way to uh, finish the season, um, and put the exclamation point. Uh, it's a well-deserved victory. Um, um, Mark, you game. also said Leonis was going to come to play, and man, your predictions came on top. Leonis did take care of the uh, did take care of the Wolverines. A tough battle, of course, twelve to zero, but they they edged them and they they get the win and they they get the Group B title. Yeah, you know it. it I, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the league and, um, you know, uh, and yes, the, these underdog teams are just, you know, we're just positioned, uh, you know, well positioned to have a chance at, mm-hmm. at winning these games. And, uh, you know, Leonis, uh, yeah, they just, they just peaked at the right time. I, I think maybe that's what this is all about. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and they say this, at every level of the game, it's like what you want to be peaking and playing your best ball as you're going into the playoffs. And um, this seems to be uh, you know, what happened. Um, you now, Leonis did not give up um, any points in the playoffs. I, it's impressive. I think, that's right? I, that's very impressive. Yeah, no, they, they did not. So they came into play. Uh, edge twelve to zero. The Wolverines falter after the Wolverines had won six to zero against Kimara. So defensively, the Wolverines had a good defense, and I was watching that game. But unfortunately, they, they, their offense was just not able to contain the you know drives, and that really that really killed them. And so that that was one of the factors for them not not you know putting up the points. So it was really crucial for them to put up points, and they didn't do it. And so Leonas did put up two scores. And that was the difference right there. So uh, hats off to Leonis for winning the Blanco group, uh, Group B. And then uh, you called it also again, Mark, Authenticus. You said, hey, they're on a roll, 24-0. They beat the Lobos coming into this game. The Wolfpack had a week off. 
you said not not so Wolfpack wasn't that impressive all season. So, man, thirty seven to eight that was a spanking. That was just a secure win for them. Yeah, that I mean that re- the score was really really surprising and and you look at it, you know, Authenticas did not have a win in the regular season and uh, um but again, they got on a roll in the playoffs, defeating the Lobos and then then taking it to the Wolfpack. And that score is <laughs> that was unexpected. Now, that's the type of thing that makes me think, you know, maybe the Wolfpack uh maybe they were hampered by injuries Maybe they weren't taking right. the Authentica seriously or some maybe combination of both. Um, uh, maybe Authentica got healthy. Uh, it was an impressive win. And what's interesting to note is that all of the uh, League Elite Monterey champions uh, exacted revenge for regular season losses in the championship game. Authenticus lost to the Wolf Pack in the first week of the season, 32 to 40. Uh, the next week, the Leones lost to the Wolverines, six to zero, in a close matchup. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, mid-season, the Trianus uh, was just edged by the Raiders by a single point. So, um, you know, uh, what a fantastic performance by all these teams to to get revenge and, and take the titles. That was just a great finish, right? Great. I mean, it's like a storyline finish, right? The the fact that you go come into this game and you're facing all these teams that were, that had your number during the regular season. And all of a sudden in the, in the end, you end up just completely securely like 29 to six, uh, 37 to eight. Right. I mean, they, they're hyped up for this final basically. Uh, if you're talking about Authenticus and Troyanas. Offensively, they were just just beast. Yeah, I mean, I just must have just gotten into the zone. the The defenses uh, must have just like played phenomenal, phenomenal games. Uh, you know, with these these low, uh, you know, point totals. You know, only one touchdown each for the Wolfpack and the Raiders, and the Wolverines didn't even get on the board. So, um, uh, hats off to the defenses. It was really good, really good weekend. Check it out right at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, uh, courtesy of Feva Sports Down South, one of our network partners. Uh, really awesome job that they've done all season covering Liga Elite Monterey. You could also get the still photos there as well from the Liga Elite Monterey as well. So, um, there was an international friendly, Mark. Um, it was December 11th. It was uh, Cali War making the trip to uh, Costa Rica, part of the WFA International Initiative that they were uh, they're building on. Uh, it was 32 to zero, but uh, overall they went there just for a more of a just you know sisterhood type mentality. Uh, Costa Rica players did get some equipment from Cali War to upgrade some of their equipment that they that they needed. So, but the the matchup is there. Cali War coverage on there as well. So the score is thirty-two to zero. No surprise there. I mean, you got one team that's obviously kind of a nucleus together, and the other team's kind of a put together of three teams. So uh, I don't think that was a surprise that that Cali War came up with the victory. Oh no, definitely not. And you know, um, 
I'm sure that the game itself is probably, um, you know, not even half the story. Uh, you know, we're talking about building relationships. I, I'm sure the two teams practice together, uh, perhaps before and after the game. Um, I'm sure it was a great learning opportunity um, for everybody there. We talked. You talked about um, the equipment um, being exchanged and and all those things going in. Um, it's a great trip to have, you know, and um, I understand it was Lisa King's birthday as well. So mm-hmm. that, you know, made for a, a nice uh, uh, birthday. It's a good time of year to go down there. The weather's certainly very pleasant in Costa Rica right now. Um, and, yeah, that's a great thing. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that that, that could happen and um, looking forward to, you know, more international competition coming here very very soon i think the next uh the next trip uh from when was i guess they're going to uh amsterdam which is over to the queensland football league from my understanding so we'll look forward to them going to venture out to the europe scene over in in that sense so shout out to the wfa for you know putting that initiative together i think that's uh, uh mr king's initiative to try to get the league to support all the rest of the leagues worldwide so really cool uh, initiative for them to try to uh, branch out and support some of the, uh, uh, you know, leagues in the international scene. So it's really, really cool to support the Costa Rica All-Stars and the um, the Gridiron Women's League of Costa Rica. Indeed. Indeed a great program. All right. Um, Mark, uh, Pretty Monsters, they take the victory in the arena at the Sinaloa. 25 to 6, they take care of the Valkyrias from Kulikan. So shout out to the Pretty Monsters, once again, champions in Sinaloa, uh, 8 on 8 arena. So uh, you get to watch it right there. Also at the hub, get the still photos and everything that happened in the AFAS. So, uh, you know, pretty good matchup, 5 to 6, but uh, overall the game is pretty exciting as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a great, uh, I think a very good performance by the Pretty Monsters. Um, they they had lost to the Valkyries uh, in the season opener 7-12, to and that accounted for their only loss of the season. Um, it was a three-way tie. Well, not, not exactly a tie, but uh, there were three teams at 3-1, and one, and only the top two teams advanced to the finals. The Halcones got uh, edged out in the last week of the regular season. Um, the tiebreaker is, um, I believe it's, uh, it's either the, the um, point differential or, or it's uh, points scored. Um, and that, so that put the Valkyries into the final with the Pretty Monsters. And um, um, it was a pretty good game. Uh, the Valkyries scored first and um, – the pretty monsters responded and they just kept responding um, for the rest of the game. And Valkyries didn't get another score. Um, uh, running back, Jocelyn Pacheco uh, was named the game MVP for the pretty monsters. And she was also the MVP of the entire league. So congratulations mm-hmm. to her. Congratulations to pretty monsters and uh, congratulations to AFOS Sinaloa on a great season. Yeah, you get to watch the second half right there at the Hub, courtesy of Pretty Monsters de Sinaloa on Facebook, Facebook Live. Uh, they were up, I think, 18-6 to 6 at, in the third quarter. 
And then after that, they just, uh, you know, they, like Mark says, they just kept it going, and the final score was 25-6. to six. And so shout-out to them for an awesome win. We also got Lexfa, uh, Lexfa excitement over a, from Lexfa in the, in the Tassone Feminils, the, uh, you know, the female, uh, female Bulls. Um, it was Cowgirls 34-0 to against Avengers. Uh, we have still photos right there, courtesy of Alexa from Panteras, 24-13 to win over Stormtroopers. We also have uh, still photos from Hornet, 13-6 to victory over Gladiadoras. Uh, we didn't get the, uh, the rest of the Azteca, 33-31 against the Avengers, so hopefully they'll upload those soon. And then, uh, so we'll get exciting out there as well uh, in, in terms of, you know, what Lexfa finished on there. So, Pretty, pretty awesome. We didn't get any live stream from them yet. So, but uh, overall, the two games that we do have coverage for, Panteras, 24-13 over Stormtroopers and Hornets versus 13-6. Uh, so a uh, pretty good uh, bowl finish there for uh, in Lexfa, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a pretty big win for the Panthers over the Stormtroopers. Uh, it was the first team that they played this season who, who had a winning, winning record, and uh, they pulled out a victory. Um, so congratulations to them. Really great job. Um, I, I really would have liked to see uh, the Panthers and the Cowgirls play. Those are two teams that um, mm-hmm. didn't meet during the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, some some great games. Uh, Azteca's Avengers game, what a two-point game. That must have been pretty amazing. And kind of a high-scoring game, 31-33. Um, Love to get a uh, look at that, um, and unfortunately for the Avengers, thing, they took... up, but we'll see if we'll see if they get them up. I reached out to them; uh, they said they were going to try to get the other two matches uh, uploaded. So hopefully they'll upload them this week, and then we'll just share them out as well. So, but a pretty 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 good close game. Yeah, and what about the cowgirls though? I mean, uh, they seem to be pretty dominant. They five and zero, and they. She just uh, posted a um, a big shutout over the Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, looking at the Cowgirls, they look like they look like the uh, the uh, the top team there in Lex. Uh, uh, looking good for sure. Um, so we have week uh, in Austra- Australia. We got week nine of Gridiron West. Uh, Rockingham edges uh, West Coast eight to zero. Coming off you know those two buys, the, the free forfeits and all that. So they get on a roll. Uh, starting to sound like they're playing really good really good ball in terms of defense, but off- offensively they're not playing so well in terms of high scoring. So I don't know if that tells a story in terms of what's going to happen as we go forward here into the next couple weeks remaining in the season. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was that was a big win for the Vipers. Um as they're, you know, trying to get playoff position. They they want to return to the championship game so they can defend their title. Um, and their defense, you know, by shutting out the Wolverines, that's that's pretty good performance on defense. But I think, it, I think you are right. It does tell a story that, you know, they only put up eight points against the Wolverines. And they, they haven't, you know, they haven't really shown that they're the most um, uh, potent offense in the league right now, you know, um, they're fourth in terms of, of scoring, you know, and if they're going to have a chance to compete with the Perth Broncos, 
then they re- they really got to get their offense um, producing some more points. As good as their defense is going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to stop goes from scoring points. As it stands right now, no. And then Perth gets a well-rested week because the Jets, the Claremont Jets are actually forfeited. So there's a, you know, a rested week for the Broncos. And that's kind of scary because considering it's almost late in the season and they get technically a bye in that way, right? So it's kind of like a week Yeah, bye. right. So, you know, we were talking uh, so about Rockland how really – um, yeah, we were talking about how forfeits are kind of working against the uh, Rockingham Vipers because they didn't have, you know, opportunities to play. It was detrimental to mm-hmm. their, um, to um, their the tiebreaker was, you know, but it, sometimes a forfeit when it comes at the right time of the season can be a benefit to you, and I think that's what the case is here with um, the forfeit that happened uh, this past week when the Claremont Jets. Um, and Perth Broncos did not play. And I think that certainly favors uh, Perth, uh, Perth Broncos um, uh, to recover from, you know, whatever injuries um, they may have. Just, you know, week of rest in the middle of the season is, you know, always always good, provided that um, when they face the uh, Swan City Valkyries next week that that game happens. So, um, as long as that game ha- having two weeks off in a row, that's you don't really w- you don't really want that. Um, but um, I hear what you're saying. Uh, it's a it's a pretty well timed forfeit for the for the Broncos. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a kind of like a gift right there. And then they're going up against Hills next week, so that's going to be interesting to see if Hills can actually uh, are going to forfeit or if they're going to fill the squad because they're they were also having troubles with that as as well. So. Uh, Curtin uh, gets uh, a 14-6 to victory over Swan City. Uh, Swan City obviously is going to be taking on the champs next week, and then Curtin will be taking on West Coast. So interesting uh, development there with, with Curtin. So we'll see if they can rebound and make two wins in a row against West Coast. West Coast coming off that 8-0 uh, you know, to loss. So I'm, I'm assuming they, do, they want to get back on the winning track here. So And the Saints trying to build up a momentum to try to maybe – edge into that playoff picture. Yeah, that I mean that that's a very interesting game there cuz uh both West Coast and uh Curtin have four wins. They've got four wins in the and so when they met when they meet up someone's going to someone's going to have more wins than the other team and um right now I mean it it does look like the uh, Wolverines are the stronger team, but th- this is an opportunity for the Curtin Saints to sort of really reach up to the next level. Um, do they have it in them? I'm not really sure. Um, but this is opportunity is knocking for them next week. Um, it's definitely like a, a game to pay close attention to. All right. So, guys, um, if you guys don't follow us, uh, just go to the subscribe to on your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, thank you to all our Euro crowd out there for making us one of the 150 top podcasts in the Euro scene in terms of Spain and Great Britain as well as out there in, in the Europe scene. So shout out to all our fans out there that uh, listen to us weekly, religiously, and thank, uh, shout out to all our Facebook groups out there that share our podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, me and Mark appreciate it as well as our own, uh, other co-hosts 
We really appreciate you guys diving in every week. Uh, we try to make a commitment, right, Mark, every week to be here, give you the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport, just like the NFL and college football. And uh, Mark does a great job for the 30 minutes or so that we're on here uh, for his for his time. But uh, we try to spotlight all the best leagues in the world uh, beyond the WNFC and WFA and uh, in a perspective that you won't get nowhere else in any other podcast. So that's uh, pretty awesome. And uh, we get a lot of messages, and I really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, thanking us for doing it, but we appreciate you guys listening more so than anything. Right, Mark? Absolutely. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing it, and um, I'm glad that people uh, enjoy it and that they uh, get the benefit of what we do. Uh, You know, we love to do it, and I don't know too many other places that that cover women's football um, as extensively as we do. So, um, uh, very excited to be part of the program, and um, I look forward to being here every week. And it's a it's a nice uh, environment because you know we get to dive into everybody dives into the NFL mark, and then they dive into college, right? Like Holly's into college, and we got Mac into NFL, uh, yourself and myself into the international scene. So it kind of blends nicely, right? We got three phases of the podcast covers all your football. That's what we want to do. Cover football as a whole. And that's what we do. Absolutely. All right, uh, Mark, um, did I miss anything? I think, uh, well, uh, yeah, Spain, right? Uh, seven on seven, mm-hmm. Spain kicked off. It was Barbera versus Barcelona. Uh, hopefully we'll get, the, uh, we'll get to see the schedule. I think it's a three-team a three with Barcelona, if I'm correct. But I'm, I'm going to have to confirm that. Yeah, I also have to look into that as well. Uh, we do have Italy, uh, CFAX. Oh yeah, I forgot um, Italy. Yeah. So two games, mm-hmm. um, week three, next to the last week of the regular season. Uh, the uh, Milan Sirens were at it again, uh, putting up 66 points against the Archers, uh, who scored zero. The six different players t- scored touchdowns for the Sirens. Um, wow. Uh, including, uh, uh, what's, uh, R. Georgina, 72 yards and two touchdowns on interceptions. So wow. Two interception returns for touchdowns, 72 yards total. So that's pretty, that was pretty wild. Um, so uh, listen to this. Milan possessed the ball for only 11 minutes and 24 seconds in a 40-minute game. And they scored 66 points. (laughs) That just is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. So, wow, what a a dominant performance uh, by the Sirens over the Archers. Uh, They're undefeated, 3-0 right now, sitting atop the league. In the, under, in the other game, the Bologna underdogs um, shut out the Savona Pirates 18-0. to um, And let's see. Oh, you know, thing about the underdogs, I'm, you know, great win, shutout win. Um, but they have to get their turnovers under control. Even though they won the game, you know, yeah. they – they put the ball. Discipline is not. Discipline hasn't been their key all season, even from week one. No. Yeah, and 
You know, that's not going to win against uh, Milan in the in the championship game. And these mm-hmm. are the you know Milan and Bologna are the now the two presumptive um, um, teams in the uh, Italian Championship Rose Bowl. So they really got to protect that ball. You know, you can you can turn over the ball three times against the Pirates and still win. But if you give you know the the Milan you know, three extra chances with the ball. You know they're going to, you know, score some some points. It's going to be a bad night so, with a bad result. No. <laughs> but as it's it is, pretty. right, as it is, uh, the underdogs are 2-1 uh, with their only loss to Milan. So um, then we get next week, final week of the season, uh, underdogs and the sirens are going to be playing in what looks like a, ch- a preview of, of the championship game. And uh, rounding out the bottom, uh, the Savona Pirates will be taking on the Archers. All right, looking forward to that match and that week. Week four kind of rounds up the Italy scene. Uh, We're going to be following the Spain uh, season as well as it's early on right now. We're going to go into week 10 in terms of Gordon West. Uh, We're going to dive in pretty much into those realms. And then we're obviously looking forward to any news or notes that are coming out from the WNFC and WFA as we head towards the 2022 season. So, Mark, thanks again for coming in. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Oscar. Have a great weekend or week. Okay, I'll see you, <laughs> I'll see you next week. Enjoy it. Safe travels. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, that's uh, the Oracle of Women's Soccer Football, Mark Simone, giving you the lowdown on everything that's happening in Lexfa that happened in Liga Elite uh, Monterey. Uh, and everything that's happening at the sport, you go to the facebook.com forward slash grand beauties at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. All right, let's bring in the salty one, which is Mackenzie Brooks in the house. So, Mackenzie, what's going oh, on? What's up, my guy? How are huh? you doing? I'm doing great, and I, I presume you're doing better because the Cowboys won. Look, I'm not even going to hold you right now, Oscar. I was convinced that Dallas was going was gonna to find some way to lose that game. I'm not going to lie to you. However, we're finally, as you know, being a Dallas fan this year has been kind of, kind of interesting. Not too bad, not too up or down. Um, but the fact that we've got all of our pieces back is what's really doing it, you know, for Dallas. Like, like Dallas is like finally starting to solidify these close games with those dynamic players. You know, Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. Amari Cooper, of course, Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard is out with a fractured ankle, I believe, um, that he fractured in the mm-hmm. Saints game. So um, Zeke kind of has to – it's kind of back to being that workhorse um, he was before we picked up Tony Pollard, which is Matt, okay because your coach he's used to as it. as bold as you are, guaranteeing this win against Jen King and the Washington football team. That's a, kind of, that's a lot of nads right there. Well, I'm a, it really is because Jen King – is the ghost of, of women's football. Okay, let's, let's just and she she knows the sport. She she knows what she's doing. So and and to be and actually, as I was watching that game, um, they had a close up of her standing on the sideline, and I I was so salty I didn't even take a picture because I was gonna take a picture and send it to her. I said, there goes Coach King doing her thing, you know, and it's just something you love to see. You know, we we talk about mm-hmm. football on all all platforms. So people shouldn't be surprised that, you know, we have powerful, you know, knowledgeable women in, at higher levels. 
Well, you know what? I'm just saying the coach made a call, guaranteed, just like Joe Namath, and he basically gets out of there with the win. So, you know, shout out to him. And, and now you guys have a three-game lead in the NFC East with four games left to play. So, you know, that's a, that's a good good thing for you guys. Yeah, it was going to be rough if we couldn't pull out that win against Washington. I knew Washington was going to give us a, you know, a, a, a competitive game, um, you know, towards the second half of that game. I was like, okay, they're starting to lock down on stuff. But it, unfortunately for Washington at that point, it was just, it was too late, um, you know, to get anything really going. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would look out for them next season, to be honest. You know, they're going to have a lot of their pieces back. They're going to have pieces, you know, spots filled that they didn't have filled this year. You know, hopefully um, Ch- um, Chase Young, um, Claypool, rather, should be back off of that ACL injury. So, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what, Jen, you know, Coach King can do um, next year with that Washington football team. But right now, it's, it's kind of as far as the NFC East is concerned, uh, focus is kind of on the, those Dallas Cowboys just because, you know, like you said, now you have a three-game, you know, you have a, a three-game lead on the entire division. And the, the entire division itself was pretty close already with the exception of Dallas. Uh, and it, did, were you surprised at this point um, Buffalo not running at all against the freaking Bucks? I'm like, what are they doing? What is this coaching staff doing? It's like it's been 30 years. I didn't even know that. 30 years without any rushing yards by a running back in the first half. So that gave the that gave Brady and the Bucks a twenty four to three lead. I mean, if you're this this Buffalo coach, what are you doing? Well, I look if I'm a Buffalo fan in general, I'm not mad at that loss because let, let, let's let's break it down for what it is, Oscar. Okay, look, you know, halftime was twenty four to three. Okay, Josh Allen and and those and those Buffalo Bills were not looking hot. You know, we were all convinced it was going to be a blowout. Okay. Then second half turns around and Josh Allen, between Josh Allen and freaking Cole Beasley, and I'm so mad he's not yep. Dallas Cowboy anymore because Cole Beasley is the dude. Like nobody, like it, it's hard to stop him, and I'm trying to figure out why. Like even as a Dallas fan and having him on the team at that point, I still couldn't figure out like how how are y'all not stopping him right now? Like what is going on? You know, but that's just that's just the kind of player he is. You know, he's heavily relied upon in those kind of situations. You don't want to give Brady 24 points. I don't care how good Josh Allen is. That's just not what you want to do in this game. You know, to have Josh Allen put the team on the back to try to make a comeback. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what happened that first half, you know, in terms of a coaching staff. Well, and so, and, and this is what I keep telling people, you know, it's not, it just doesn't rely on the coaching staff. I mean, yes, the coaching staff is the one who, you know, puts people in the positions and makes the initial plays, you know, play calls, signals, all that, all that stuff. But it comes down to the players that are performing the task at hand, which happens to be this game or that game rather. Now, just like you said, you, you can't give Tom Brady that much of a cushion because he's just going to spice you up like butter all day. But you also have to like, was laughing respect respect because is that is his thirty third time that he's beaten the 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 Bills. That is the most times any quarterback has beaten a single opponent in NFL history. So Buffalo, not a good thing to be in the history books for. You know what I mean? Like no. Right. Well, I'll tell you. Here's another crazy stat: um, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise itself is a hundred and six and one against the Buffalo Bills. Wow. That 
in itself is ridiculous. Wow. And I'm just sitting here like, does that thing really say 106? Well, I mean, at the time it was 105, but, you know, with that, with solidifying that, that seven-point win now, that, that, that makes 106 games to one loss for, to that franchise. That's, that's just that's unheard of. And 30 of those times now, you know, those 30 times that, that Tom Brady has beaten the Buffalo Bills, it, you know, gets added to that stat line, which is crazy to even think about. Yeah, it's for sure. Um, Max, surprised that the Bears and Packers combined for 45 points in the second half <laughs> in their rivalry? That's never um, happened since, like, 1955. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not shocked. Um, and to be honest, the Bears, for the, for a good half, almost three-quarters of the game, the Bears were bringing it to them. The Bears were bringing it to the Packers, and I was here for it. You know, I they just – it's the mental mistakes and – the you know the chippiness that caused those penalties, which is you will unfortunately part of the reason why the Bears lost. I feel like, um, but I don't want people sleeping on the Bears because like they scored on that on that elite Green Bay defense. It's crazy to think about, and you know in a in a in a football manner because you're like, oh, the Bears, you know, they're playing with that rookie quarterback Justin Fields. You know, he's coming off of an injury. I mean, but he was still lighting people up. And that's the crazy part to me. And I'm like, dang, like, okay, we got this rookie quarterback, you know, fresh off an injury, playing one of, another GOAT of the game in Aaron Rodgers, who I can't stand. We all know I'm not a Green Bay Packers fan, and I, I live to hate them. Um, but I got to give credit where credit is due. Like, the Packers are a good team. You know, they, they always have been, as long as they have all their moving parts. It's just like Dallas. As long as Dallas and Green Bay have their moving parts, they're hard to stop. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I don't know. It's just it was, it was a crazy <laughs> week this weekend. Crazy week this weekend. Kansas City uh, uh, beats down the Raiders, and these Raiders <laughs> pulling a logo thing, <laughs> an arrowhead, and expect to get out alive. Come on, guys. This is not <laughs> wow. That was that was a beatdown. I was like, I was watching. That, I was like, my God, these Raiders are just. Yeah, they were nowhere to be found. David Carr, I mean, the, what happened there? The... <laughs> you know, it's just, unfortunately for the Raiders, yeah, you know, yes, the Raiders beat my Cowboys on Thanksgiving, but they haven't done much since that game. And, I like, and I'm not knocking them or anything like that. It's just, it is what it is. Like, you've had, you know, you had a pretty, pretty decent win against Dallas on Green Bay, and the, or on, on Thanksgiving, rather. And then, you, you know, you turn around – unfortunately get one more win and then back back to back losses almost like it's it's a little bit of inconsistency but then you have to realize like you know they had all that stuff with Gruden and they had all that stuff with Henry Ruggs and you know lots of that stuff you know lots of those things are considered distractions sometimes when you have a lot of distractions against the Chiefs you don't have a prayer four fumbles that just tells you right there back to back to back to back that like yeah like I that I can agree with and I'm like Damn, really? Like this is like Josh Jacobs. Like this is out of character for him. I'm like, and in fact, they also didn't have Darren Waller, which was also rough. Like that was rough. You know, uh, like you hate to see stuff like that. But unfortunately, with the game we play and focus on Oscar, anything can happen on any given game day. Literally. I'm gonna tell you right now. Speaking of carelessness, at the 
it was a tough day for Cincinnati against Holly's uh, Niners. Uh, you know, the two the two muff pairs of, <laughs> of punts there that set up the Niners for the 10 points, uh, giving them the oh, yeah. 26-23. I mean, that was just, like, crazy. I was rooting for the Bengals. I, I will be disc- full disclosure here because I was not rooting for the, the Niners. Uh, but it went away from, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, if you're the Bengals, man, you just got one. You let one get away, basically. Yeah, you did, you know, and if you're Joey Burrow over there in Cincinnati, if you're Joey Mixon over there in, in, in Cincinnati, you know, you got to take pride in, in the product that you've been able to produce since JB came back from the ACL injury last year. You know, it's it's kind of crazy to think about, um, you know. But, Matt, because of the ACL, your boy Kittle, what's up? your boy Kittle just shows up, and that's the, that was a, that's literally the does. difference. That's what he does. Well, G, G. Kittle – is like one of the goats of being a tight end. Like I don't care what nobody says. Hell yeah, he I don't is. care. Like he's 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 up there with Tony Gonzalez. He's up there with Aaron Hernandez. You know, it, it, look, he's, when he's, he's just good, up there. when he's healthy and ready to go, he's even better than Kelsey. So disappointed. I had Kelsey on my fantasy squad and I had Kittle on another card and Kittle so much value and so much upside. Where Kelsey I think is just now people would just, oh, it's Kelvin Kelsey. Yeah, cool. Kelsey's cool, but Kelsey is not a machine like Kittle, and especially in that offense with uh, Devo Samuels, uh, he's becoming the one-two punch. I mean, it, you're not even wrong. Like, I can't even, I can't even fault you on that because you, everything you just said hit it on the nose. The only thing I would add to that is, I think the Kansas City Chiefs kind of rely on the one-two punch with. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey a little bit too much. Like you have Tyree yeah. Hill, he's the fastest yeah. freaking man in the league. Like, how are, like how are y'all not utilizing him more? Like I'm trying to figure out like where the where the drop off is. No, for sure. I mean, and 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 that's that's the one thing I'm saying. It's like they're not using. It's not automatic that Kittle that Kelsey's going to have a great game. Where with the Niners. You, you know for sure that, you know, Kittle's going to get his target. So I think it's more like now this is more more of a, you know, the one-two punch. That's their weapons that they have, you know. So we're over in Kansas City, like you said, they're not even utilizing the best player. They're just thinking that that one tight end has been durable for so long that's going to get you, you know, the, the production, which is not happening. So at this point, you know, shout out to Kittle because w- what a game there. He just literally just, you know, owned the Bengals towards the end there with, you know, with, with the touchdowns and then just get that win. A must win for the Niners for uh, for them to even get back into the playoff pla- picture. Um, we got, got, what, two minutes here. Let's figure it out here. Uh, did you think the Cardinal loss was a letdown or did you feel like my Rams really came to play and under they were under, un, you know, they were basically, at this point, they lose to Arizona, literally looks like a, a bad situation for the Rams. They, literally a must win for us, basically. So I'm going to tell you this. Um, your Rams came to play, literally. Like, I, And anybody who, you know, who tries to hold you and say, oh, no, it was lucky. No, no. Matthew Stafford went the hell off, period. Um, Aaron Donald, okay. Vaughn Miller, okay. Um, need I say any freaking more? Hunter, you know, Cooper Cup. Like, do I need to keep going? 
Like, your pieces were on point, and it was cohesive. It wasn't a couple plays here, a couple plays. It was all Mac, damn you think game. Michelle should be the answer in the backfield instead of Henderson? I really think I'm, I'm on the Michelle bandwagon now. You know, I think a lot of people who, if you, you know, and, and we, like I said, we talk all kinds of sports, all kinds of football here. If you if you're not a Georgia if you weren't if you're not a Georgia fan and weren't when Sony Michelle was playing for the Bulldogs you're you're not going to be a fan of him now unless you're watching the game and watching the sport. Um, so you have you're absolutely fair to be you know on that bandwagon because Sony Michelle is an underrated player like like that mm-hmm. like that serious like it, it's a fact like anybody that tell, that watches the sport and knows knows the he reminds and me of, of the game. He reminds me of like a Frank yes. Gore where once you get into the red zone. The opportunity is there for him to score. It's like there's automatic. Where with Henderson, it seems like he's lighter weighted, and the defense takes advantage of the fact that they can get to him. Where Michelle, I mean, you know as a defensive player that you're going to get a lick, you know what I mean, for every yard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's hitting you hard like a battering ram. Like, yeah, you may take him down, but he's, he's hitting you like a battering ram. He's going he's gonna to make sure you feel the fact that he still has the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I thought it was a great game, balanced game. Finally, McVeigh, you know, ends up adjusting properly. They did what they had to do. They utilized, the, you know, Jefferson. They, you know, they just if you're the Cardinals uh, with Connors having a, such a good game, but uh, you know, Murray disappointing, you know, two interceptions, pressured, things like that. So it's kind of back to the drawing board for them. They they really need to get back on, you know, on the win against Seattle. I think it's going to be tough, but you know, overall. I think it was a great weekend in terms of the football, uh, in terms of what's happening with the football. So um, this weekend, before we get out of here, we got uh, what two minutes? Let me see where my countdown is. We got two minutes, so let's just figure this out. Thursday night, Kansas City against the Chargers. That's the one we're looking forward to. Um, Atlanta, San Francisco. San Francisco going to must win. Taking needs to win. Sunday, New Orleans taking on Tampa Bay. That's a pretty good rivalry right there. Monday, Minnesota, Chicago. Uh, Key game right there for Minnesota. Uh, not so much for Chicago, but they got to keep it going on the wins there. Then you get Dallas against the G-Men, another key game there, uh, and they can make it you know four in a row and, and expand their lead. And then Cleveland against Vegas, and we'll see what Cleveland and Vegas looks like. So, but uh, pretty pretty good weekend. Week 15, looking forward to it. Don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. All right, Mac, I think that's it. Then we got to get out of here. We got like 30 seconds. So, anything else you want to tell the fans? Uh, you know, I hope you, those of y'all that are traveling for the holidays here soon, stay safe. We are on again next week uh, for the holiday edition of the Gridiron Beauty podcast. So, you know, get your popcorn because it's, it's going to be electric. It's going to be electric. There's going to be a lot of games this weekend. Y'all cannot miss. And we, we got the content to talk about it. But if you're not going to the hub, you wouldn't know that. So, get yourself to the hub. Follow all of us on social media. And, you know, you'll have all your information and be prepared. That's all I got to say, Oscar. That's it. All right. All right, Mac. Have a great uh, week, and we'll catch you here next week as well. And everybody shopping, have a great holiday. We'll be here for 404 next week. Have a great night, everybody. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.